Welcome to the Idea Fit Pro Show with your host, Sandy Todd Webster. Hello to our fitness family around the world. Thanks for joining me on another episode of the Idea Fit Pro Show. This is Sandy Webster, Ideas Editor-in-Chief and your host for the podcast. Thanks for devoting a part of your day to listening in. Today's episode features David Geslack, a published author and subject matter expert who is passionate about educating fit pros about the benefits of exercise for people with autism. The expanding research reveals that exercise can increase attention span, reduce stress, enhance language development, and reduce stereotypical behaviors. And as our guest points out, this community needs your guidance. In addition to speaking and writing on the topic, David also has a TV show called Coach Dave on the Autism Channel. In collaboration with the National Center on Health, Physical Activity and Disability, David created an autism exercise video series that now has more than a half million views. He graduated from the University of Iowa with a degree in health promotion and is an ACSM certified exercise physiologist, as well as an NSCA certified strength and conditioning specialist. We have a lot to cover, so let's get into it with David. Welcome to the Pro Show, David. I'm thrilled you were able to join me today. Oh, thank you for having me. It's an honor to be here. Honor presented idea this weekend, and um, just yeah, just happy to spread the mission and, and share more of uh, those with autism and what could be done. Yeah, I feel like we're going to learn a lot today. Um, I would love it if you could launch into our conversation by introducing yourself and describing how your path as a public health specialist, an autism expert, and educator in the fitness industry evolved. Yeah. So. Uh, the long story short, but I'll give you a little bit of a, a story here, but the long story short it was completely by accident of how I started working with those with autism. Um, my background, I went to the University of Iowa, uh, so go Hawks, um, <laughs> went to the University of Iowa and uh, graduated ultimately with a degree in health promotion. And uh, also I was trained on ACSM protocols, and so I graduated with then. It was called the health and fitness specialist, but now mm-hmm. is the exercise physiologist, and then also an NSCA, strength and conditioning specialist. My undergrad, though, um, I was an intern at Iowa football, an intern strength and conditioning coach. And um, of all the interns, I was the one kept on for essentially the 2003 season as a student assistant strength coach. Uh-huh. Um, so there, my role pr- pr- predominantly was uh, to work with the incoming freshmen. And there's a story behind this and how this connects to autism, but I was, was in working with the incoming freshmen. Uh, but after I officially graduated, I decided to leave Iowa football and start a gym back in the Chicago suburbs. Um, that was always intended for children and this was in 2004 the just to keep the doors open as many trainers know right you're to work with anyone that you've you know have experience working with so i was still training athletes i was still training adults but again the gym's focus was not that this has changed at that time it was maybe kids who are overweight right or obese Um, but a dad i was training brought me a son and he said, he's on the autism spectrum. Uh, can you help him with sports? But he also, he can't skip. Hmm. So back then in 2004, autism, I didn't know much about it. 
uh, other than hearing about it. At that time, it was one in 150 children were diagnosed. Um, so I was more intrigued not in the sport piece, but in the skipping piece. Because what I had learned in undergrad is that a neurotypical uh, child who could skip was shown better to read than a child who cannot. Hmm. So I started trying to teach him skipping. And what I did was, using the strategies that I was taught at Iowa football to, re to essentially reteach these incoming freshmen, the bench, the squat, the power clean, all these complex movements that... You're right. As high school athletes, it's it's all about quantity and how much, not about your quality of movement, right? So I started using the breakdown and teaching this boy to skip, and I got him to skip in four sessions. Mm. And what I had come to find out, one, his smile was ear to ear. His parents were crying, and I'm getting goosebumps because I always do. I tell this story. Um, but they had tried for years. And so that... Obviously, I helped change his life and his family's life, but that changed my life and my career path. So um, I went on to continue that and figure out, like, working with those with autism, right? So I started working with more individuals. We had small group classes and, and then started coming upon, like, individuals. And, and there was one in particular in a small group class. He was nonverbal. I said hello, and then he just wet himself. So I was like, man, I don't know anything, right? Mm -hmm. So I left my gym. Uh, this was probably about 27, 2007, and went to go work as a paraeducator, which is um, work as a one-on-one -on -one uh, one -on -one professional with a student in, in a school. <clears throat> and then eventually um, that school had me start their first fitness program from kindergarten all the way to transition. And to sum the story up, now, 17 years later, I've traveled to seven different countries. We're partnered with the American College of Sports Medicine and um, just trying to train other professionals and how they can help this community. What a fantastic journey of, you know, of finding your, your purpose and living your purpose. Yeah, definitely. Um, never, never thought I'd be here. Never thought I'd be at IDEA. Never thought, you know, half the places I've been... Um, and really my goal in the beginning was just to educate parents of how exercise is different than therapy, is different than um, PE or adapted physical education and, and the role that it needs to play in our kids or, or their children's lives. Mm -hmm. I, I think for this, this topic, you know, starting at the, the beginning is, um, is a great place to start because I think autism is misunderstood by many. Um, and so maybe a, a great place for you to start might, might be for you to explain what exactly autism is, how many people it impacts in the world, and why the fitness community is not more versed in helping them and their families, at least at this point. Yeah. So autism is a complex disorder that, that can impair their, their, their sensory systems, can impair their... Um, social communication, their social skills, um, a number of a number of things. Um, right now, if, if uh, you know, when I started, it was one in a hundred and fifty diagnosed, at least in two thousand four, and that was still a, a big number. Mm -hmm. uh, within the last couple of months, um, now it is one in forty four. Hmm. It's the world's fastest growing developmental disability. 
Um, I've been to, like I said, a number of countries, and while they don't keep as many records like we do in the United States, um, going to these countries, they've said that it's definitely um, just as high um, from the people who are entrenched in this community and working with them. Um, I'll, I'll, even one, I went to Barbados, of all places, and this was, I don't know, maybe eight years ago, but in an island in the middle of the ocean, there's a rise in autism. Yeah. Um, Egypt, Dubai, Barbados, uh, Canada, South Korea, Singapore, like it's, it's everywhere. Um, and the thing is, is why is exercise misunderstood or why is it not happening more? I think is for the novice exercise professional or someone not involved in this community or maybe having a child impacted or having some background in special needs, people are, they're afraid of what they don't know. Mm -hmm. So, um, but when taught properly, when, 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 when giving some structure, some protocols, just like as we do for whether there's an individual who's overweight, there's an individual who's, um, you know, a senior citizen, we, we need some foundation to teach them. And I think that's what I've been, you know, the last 10 years really have just been trying to do is just educate and prepare so um, people can have an impact in their communities. Yeah. I want to back up and dig into something that you, you just talked about, about the incidents um, accelerating. Is there any evidence or research that speaks to why that's happening? So there's no known factors. Um, there's some, or, I mean, there's no direct cause. There's some factors as believed. It could be a environmental, um, biologic, or um, genetic, mm -hmm. but there's still, we don't know. So but what we do know, what we do know is that not just exercise, but some of these early intervention services that these kids will get, PT, OT, speech therapy, behavioral therapy, the earlier we can start with them, the better. Right, they can have improvement in language. My wife's a speech therapist. Um, they can have improvement and meet their physical or occupational therapy goals. And the same thing is with exercise, right? We need to make it a part of their routine. And my thing is, we can't wait for the schools or or um, and 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 the parents sometimes don't recognize exercise as an intervention, mm -hmm. but it's a big one, and but it needs to be made part of their routine. So that's, again, my biggest goal is whether they're three or 33, we got to get them engaged in it because it, it, it goes beyond the health-related benefits as well. Sure. Um, so specific to our industry, I'm going to own the fact that while we've covered research on exercise and autism in Fitness Journal, um, we've never done a full column or a feature on it, which I feel we definitely need to rectify. Um, and also your presentation um, here at Personal Trainer Institute is the first I'd seen on this topic on our event programs or really any fitness programs anywhere. And I've been doing this for 20 years. Um, lack of exposure and education is probably one of the reasons autism and exercise are misunderstood or a mystery to many. Um, what other reasons do you see? Um, you know, I kind of already said it, but they're afraid of what they don't know. I think, um, I think and what some people in the fitness industry don't know is there is a lot of places that these, this is popping up right there's centers there's specific centers there's there's trainers doing this um what i my biggest fear is that is that this doesn't become a watered down um 
market mm-hmm. from the fitness industry or quite frankly like we know that sometimes the fitness industry was watered down at times right with trainers who don't have a background um my fear is that 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 this happens here because as quick as those individuals will if you offer this service as quick as they will come if you're doing it for the wrong reasons or you're ill prepared the parents or the mainly a lot of the parents they will leave faster than they came in mm-hmm. because they recognize they've been sold snake oil um and but exercise is one and i just think that just people they just need better education sure. of where to start what are a few ways that you think we can get more fit pros interested in the opportunity of working with this population and not just as a, okay, I'm going to add a, a client population to my services, but, you know, being serious about it and, 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 and uh, doing it the right way. Yeah. So I think look, when I started my business, um, which I know many fitness trainers out there, whether they have their own brick and mortar or they're, you know, they're just trying to drive clients into the center that they're working in. Um, look, there, there is a business to be had here, right, and, and working with this community. And the good thing for some personal trainers, right, uh, we were listening to the keynote last night and saying how, you know, we know this, clients come and go sometimes. Mm-hmm. If you're doing it right, you can have a client for life that they're structured, um, that if, if you set their schedule from, you know, at 3 o'clock on a Monday, they will be there Monday at 3 o'clock routinely. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and if you miss, it could throw them off, and they will very rarely miss. Right. Um, but, but trainers need to know that, yeah, this is, this is a client that, um, this is a clientele that, that desperately needs exercise, and that you can make a huge impact in their lives and their family lives. And yes, you can do it while doing what you do best and what you want to do. You want to coach. You want to you want to Im- improve their health and fitness. And yes, you can make money while doing it. Yeah. But you better prepare yourself. Yep. And what does the science say about how exercise impacts people with autism? Mm-hmm. So... The, the science is there. Um, it's been there for years, and it's also a challenge, which we can talk for another hour, of how it's lacking in our school systems for these kids and, quite frankly, neurotypical kids. But the science goes well beyond the health-related benefits. Um, early on, the research was done on 60 minutes of activity and sometimes 60 minutes of high-intensity activity. Mm-hmm. But what I can tell you is that that research is great and is clearly needed. But with most of the individuals you may be working with, your sessions aren't going to be, you're not going to start to get them at 60 minutes on task or, and especially high intensity, meaning over 80% of their heart rate max, not going to happen. Mm-hmm. You can work to that. But that research was showing that they've increased on task behavior, reduced maladaptive behavior, improvements in language, social skills, and even academics. So that's what the research is out there and continues to show. But one of the most fascinating and most important pieces of research that came out of uh, Rutgers University in 2017 found that 10 minutes of low-intensity exercise was able to um, reduce stereotypical behaviors for the next 60 minutes. Mm. Okay, and so why is 10 minutes impactful? Well, one, for a community that has had, hasn't had exercise, has had challenges with exercise, maybe in the schools, right? Ten mis- minutes is a realistic goal for mm-hmm. 
10 minutes is a realistic goal for the novice exercise professional looking, right, to work with this community. And then third, 10 minutes of exercise is something as the exercise professional needs to educate the parents about, right? I've said to my families, look, we're going to be here for six, I'm going to be here for 60 minutes, or you're going to work with me, your kids going to work with me. It may not look like exercise. They're not going to leave dripping in sweat. What I have to do is first build the relationship and trust with them, and that's the foundation, right, with, among other things, evidence-based practices. But that's the foundation. Once I can get him starting to move, right, then I can build and progress. Mm -hmm. But 10 minutes just shows that it goes way beyond the health-related benefits and why, why, these, why this population and this community really needs it. Mm. So interesting. Um, you've probably piqued the, the interest of, of a lot of listeners already. Um, what attributes or special training do you feel a fit pro has to possess to get upskilled enough to work with this client population? Well, I'll, we def there's definitely some stuff that, that we have that, that can help them, but I think this is what I want fit pros to know is what you're doing intuitively already with some of your clients can help. Our, you're doing that can support to help those with autism. And here's one specifically. I just talked about it in the, the training. So when we model an exercise for a client, whether they are senior citizen, obese, or just neurotypical, right, like a HIIT workout that I did this morning here, um, modeling is an evidence-based practice that can help someone with autism, right, to understand and learn. You just have to show them, mm -hmm. right? But modeling is going to have to be paired with probably some other evidence-based practice, like a visual support, right? The saying goes, a picture is worth a thousand words. But for those with autism, a picture is really worth a thousand mm -hmm. words. Because if sometimes you have to take your voice out of the instruction because that can overstimulate them. Mm -hmm. You may say a ton of words to them, but they only hear three. Mm -hmm. So you have to prepare yourself and understand how they learn. Meaning, when teaching exercise to someone with autism, 75% is understanding autism. 25% is understanding exercise. Mm -hmm. You really have to understand not only how they learn, but also as I talked is in, in today's session, and I always do, is you gotta understand the, the families because that will help, that will help you. And then lastly, um, what we're doing is, you know, we're partnered with the American College of Sports Medicine. Right? We created um, the Autism Exercise Specialist Certificate. Mm -hmm. It's an ACSM-based certificate, but I was able to go further than that and get the accreditation or approved provider for various um, uh, other certs that I know a lot of trainers have, NSCA, AFA, ACE, NASM. We did it, but I knew that maybe that's going to be the motivator, right? We got to get CECs anyway. Well, why not at least start to learn a little bit more about this community who is, whether you know it or not, they may be in your gyms right now, or I promise you they're coming. Mm -hmm. So be prepared. And aside from the certification, um, where do you suggest that interested people go to learn more about autism? Just start you know, studying it, get books on it. Are there yeah. any good seminal books out there? Well, I wrote a book, <laughs> but yeah, you can go. I mean, I wrote the autism fitness handbook, um, but no, there's a ton of information out there. Obviously the internet is one. Um, I mean, we, that's where a lot of people go, right? But 
it, you know, when I was learning more, um, obviously I was working in the schools, but I would go to conferences. Right? And there's there are a lot of autism conferences. There's the Autism Research Institute. Mm-hmm. It's actually based in San Diego. Um, but they have a ton of information of autism and, and better understanding that, um, you know, understanding one of the, the gold standard in um, in behavioral therapy is called uh, applied behavioral analysis. So, you know, being familiar with some of those approaches. But I think if these individuals maybe walk into your center or the families do and they call, some of your the biggest information you can get is from their family. Mm-hmm. Like, how are they having success in school? How are they having? How are they staying on task at home? How are they having success with their speech therapist or their OT? Right. Just because you hear me or you see a workshop that I've done or my team, that doesn't mean right. We know it all, or you want to follow Coach Dave and the Exercise Connection Protocol. No learn from how the kid learns best and then apply those evidence-based exercise strategies in their structured way of learning. Yeah, you've talked a lot about family dynamic and working with these clients. Um, And it sounds like it's a pretty um, intimate dance. I mean, you're not just involved with the client. You have to you have to be very communicative with the families, it sounds like. Um, what percentage of your success comes from what happens outside the training session once the client goes home, meaning communicating with, with the parents? Yeah, great question. Look, we've, there's always communication with the families, um, you know, positive communication. And here's why I stress that. A lot of these families are told, and even still to this day, that their kid's not going to be able to speak, write, walk, whatever it is, right? That unfortunately still happens sometimes. Um, But also in the schools, not all, but sometimes, my wife's in the schools, and um, I've been in IEP meetings, and they often hear about the negative first. Well, your kid can't do that, you know, he can't do that, he can't do that. So... Then at the end, oh, well, he is doing this, he is doing this. Well, flip the conversation, right? But think about a parent having to hear that for sometimes 18 years, mm-hmm. right? Um, but, but to further that, also, I've been in the homes, many of these homes, but that doesn't mean I can be in their shoes. And, and what I mean by that is don't judge them because the trainers, because this came up in conversation in the, today, you know, I would always provide, or my staff would always provide some sort of exercise homework or something to go home with. But if they don't do that, I'm telling you that, that these many of these families are very challenged. So to have to do another thing when they get home, it may not happen. I found that it was very rare, not, not always would happen. So as a trainer, we got to do our job. We got to try to deliver the best instruction, just like you would anyone. But if they don't continue that at home, it's just the reality of, of of what's happening. And quite frankly, sometimes, yeah, the individual may or may not do it, you know, independently if they are more what would be perceived as higher end of the spectrum. Mm-hmm. But you provide that, um, and you just you still that means doesn't reduce your your follow up with them. Just still provide it. But if they don't do it, okay, they're coming back to you. You know, with the family dynamic being so critical um, in success for this, have you have you trained whole families ever? Does that work or is it better to have the client one to one with you? 
I've, I've, I've trained, I've tried that. Um, I think also trainers need to be, need to be prepared is that, you know, when you're assessing a client or sometimes starting out with a client, mom or dad may be right there over your shoulder mm-hmm. yeah, for all the right reasons. Look, they, they want to know that they can trust you with their kid. Totally makes sense. Right. Um, but also that, um, they want to learn too, right? They want to see what's going on. Um, but I think, but that can also be a major distraction for mm-hmm. the kid or adult. And I, and I use that term, you know, kid or adult. So I've had to say to families once, Hey, can you, do you mind stepping away? Cause I'm going to, I'm going to see if there's any difference in him being able to do this. And then, yeah, I mean, trust me, parents do want to step away, but in the beginning it makes sense why they're there. But I, I think at the end of the day, no, I think, it, I, I mean, I just, there may be other people out there that have done this and worked with whole families. I've just been more of working with the individual themselves, sometimes maybe even a sibling, mm-hmm. um, because that could be a reinforcement for the individual. Sure, got it. That that totally makes sense. Um, I'm wondering how significant um, things like the training environment, training tools that you use, different modalities, or ty- the type of session, one-to-one versus small group, for in- instance, um, how important are those factors in the overall client training plan? So when I mentioned that 10 minutes of exercise and the results, Though the modalities chosen in that study was a bike or a treadmill, which is great, right? But the realities in the schools or in the families or maybe even some fitness centers, they don't have time or they don't have the money for a bike or a treadmill. Um, also, sometimes that's, excuse me, that's also serving one child at a time. So what we're teaching, call it, to use the term, functional fitness activities, mm-hmm. I've over these last 17 years, and when, remember, I was teaching parents first, I was trying to create exercises that they could do with their child, mm-hmm. but that they, they didn't have to be an exercise professional to teach them, right? And, and I, I joke with this exercise all the time, but the hip extension, the reason I joke about it is because in the last 10 years, this is the biggest fad in, in fitness, like 150-pound plates on our hips, and we're doing it. No, we don't need to do that, <laughs> right? You can do a single leg hip extension. You're probably going to get more benefit. But a, a hip extension like that is something safe that our kids need, glute hamstring work, that a parent could do, right? So I created, we, we go through this in our course, like 10 exercises, the top 10 exercises that we use that have limited to no equipment, but really when we get more in, entrenched in it, you, those 10 exercises sometimes turn into 40 exercises because you have to systematically break these exercises down so they can do them, right? Sometimes, yeah, it may start with a hip extension as the goal, but sometimes you just getting the kid to lay on his back mm-hmm. for 30 seconds could be a challenge. Mm-hmm. So that's step one. Then it's lifting your butt up. Then maybe it's progressing to a single leg hip extension or something like that. Does that make sense? Totally. Uh, you know, it, it harkens back to your original example of teaching that, that first kid how to skip mm-hmm. where you had to break down the skip mm-hmm. and, um, and model it and, um, and make it work. So, yeah, that to- makes total sense to me. And, and I think with, um, with our, our everyday clients, um, maybe we don't do enough of that. <laughs> you know, just the, the breakdown in the modeling. 
Well, and I think, you know, I was just talking to a guy who was in our presentation, and he works with senior citizens with dementia. I mean, this is the other piece that, you know, while this, what we do is focused on autism and the certificate too, um, we know it can help. These evidence-based strategies can help others with disabilities, mm -hmm. but it also, yeah, it could, it can help some of your neurotypical clients or senior citizens. But at the end of the day, I think this population in many ways has made me a better trainer, especially early on, because you have to think differently. You have to translate you know, the exercise differently, right? It's not, you can't just verbalize it, and they're not all going to be high-level athletes, <laughs> you know, that you're working with. So so working with this community has definitely challenged me over the years to, to yeah, just challenge my thinking and challenge my approaches. But, um, yeah, it's, it's an incredible group to work with, and I'm truly blessed to to continue to be doing what I'm doing. Yeah, it sounds like um, one of the attributes um, a, a trainer who wants to specialize in this would, would be that you have to be incredibly patient yourself. Yeah, I have two kids at home, <laughs> five and two, but I've first, it's, I guess it's always different as a parent is what I've learned. But yeah, I mean, it, you definitely have to be patient sometimes. And look, I sometimes when I speak, I, I always kind of, talk about the, the most challenging individual, um, nonverbal, toe walker, maybe some other challenges. But look, they, the title of my workshop today was Challenging Autism with Exercise. They can do things. Mm -hmm. I think, unfortunately, sometimes it happens in exercise. In, in years past, you know, it's okay. He's got autism. So they just let him walk around the gym. Like, it's fine. No. When you use strategies, when you understand how they learn, they can do things. Yeah. They can do, and, and I've seen some incredible progress of my individuals. Um, but it's, again, we have to understand how they learn. And then the impact is, will give you goosebumps. Yeah. David, one of the talking points you gave me pre-interview was... Um, was this notion of persistence versus perfection when teaching exercise to those with autism. Can you explain what you meant by that and why it's important to understand it? Yeah, so, look, as an exercise professional, I get it, right? The Putting the body in the anatomical right position. We lecture to a lot of physical therapists, and sometimes they are like, well, but their hip needs to be here, and it's got to be at 90 degrees. Yeah, I get it. But <laughs> if we overcorrect these individuals, whether they're a kid or adult, right when they're starting, you're going to lose them. And why do I say that? Because unfortunately, for all the right reasons in the special education setting, remember, I was there in a special education classroom, they're overcorrected. They're, they're trying to almost do it perfect. But they do, they are, I, look, I always look at them as the person first, the disability or autism second, right? But at the end of the day, they do have autism, mm -hmm. right? They may, it, it takes them time to learn new tasks, new concepts, new things, and something quite frankly as challenging as gross motor movement. So we have to be patient. We have to work, maybe work to those 10 minutes as our starting point. But don't overcorrect in the beginning. Build the relationship. Mm -hmm. You build the relationship. You find out what motivates them. Um, like I said, you'll have a client for life. Yeah. Well, this has been an absolutely fascinating discussion, David. Um, before we wrap up, um, would you please let our listeners know how they can get in touch with you through social channels or otherwise? And then if you'd leave us with a parting thought um, that will uplift or inspire fit pros about specializing in uh, working with this population. Um, so how to get in 
touch, uh, definitely just exerciseconnection.com. Again, that's exerciseconnection.com. I am on the social media stuff, um, but <laughs> at David Geslack typically or at Exercise Connection. We'll I, put all that stuff in the show notes yeah, too. Yeah, so it's there. Um, and the, the parting notes, um, you know, last thing, look, this, uh, this community, I, I started with this, but as much as you can change their life, this community can change yours. Mm-hmm. And I think if this is, at least sometimes you need to get your feet wet, right? We, we, you never know what you're going to get when you walk into that home or they come to your center. But start with the foundation of some ex- education um, and just be patient. And, uh, but start working with these kids and these adults. And, and once you do, um, I think you're going to see there's, there's an opportunity here for you to take what you've been trained to do as an exercise professional, do what you want to do and love of, of, of delivering them a better, healthy quality of life. And here's a group that, that is in need of it. And it's the fastest growing group or community in the world. And there's opportunity out there for you. Mm. Lots of profound stuff here. You gave us so much to think about and dig into further um, today. Um, David, thank you so much for sharing part of your day with us and um, all of this great information. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Take care. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I loved interviewing David Geslack. To learn more about his work or to connect with him, please check today's show notes to find the links. If you haven't yet subscribed to the podcast, you can find the Idea Fit Pro Show on all major podcast platforms. We'd be honored if you took a minute to give us a rating, and we'd be so grateful if you would share the show link and news about the podcast on your social feeds. Meantime, we'll keep working hard to bring you more great material like this. This is Sandy Webster signing off. Until next time, stay positive and keep inspiring the world with your special magic. Don't ever forget that you make a huge difference in the lives of others and that idea is here to support you in this critical purpose. Thanks for all you do to make the world a healthier, happier place. The Idea Fit Pro Show is part of the Outside Inc. podcasting network. Many thanks to our executive producer, Jordan Leeds, and our engineer and editor, Mike Hilding. Copyright 2022, all rights reserved. Reproduction without permission is strictly prohibited.